leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Efforts to develop effective therapies to treat Alzheimer's disease have been stymied by a long history of clinical failures. Those disappointments have included two late-stage failures of AC Immune's Crinizumab, which the company is developing with its partner Roche. The two companies are continuing to pursue the drug under the belief that treating patients earlier in the progress of the disease will be critical. We spoke to Andrea Pfeiffer. CEO of AC Immune, about the company's efforts to identify and treat Alzheimer's at its earliest stages, its efforts to develop a vaccine against the condition, and why she believes the future of Alzheimer's care will involve combination therapies similar to what's emerged in the area of cancer. Andrea, thanks for joining us. Hello. We're going to talk about Alzheimer's disease, AC immune, and its efforts to improve outcomes for patients by identifying and treating patients early. Let's start with Alzheimer's disease itself. This is a, a neurodegenerative condition that is the leading cause of dementia and destroys a person's cognitive abilities. Why should we be concerned about Alzheimer's disease in a societal sense, and, and what's the potential impact of this condition? on the population at large? So um, well, I'm very happy to talk to you because I think um, the problem of Alzheimer is so broad and uh, so important for society that basically on every level, which is uh, the patients, um, the scientists, the government, uh, media, uh, should be concerned about it because today we have 50 million Alzheimer patients we have every three seconds, we have a new patient coming up. Um, we are spending already um, $1 trillion on uh, this disease, growing to uh, $2 trillion in 2030, and there is no treatment. So I put on my banner um, the um, sort of a wish, the desire, the goal, the objective to um, lead a therapy and a diagnostic for this generation, because if we are not dealing with, with, uh, within this generation, then the impact, the cost, the, the, the pain is even bigger for the next generation. Alzheimer's disease has been an area of great clinical disappointments. I, th I think I saw a figure recently that suggested we've had 500 failed clinical trials since 2002. 
Is there something yep. fundamentally wrong in the way the industry has thought about the targets it's going after to treat Alzheimer's disease? Um, I think um, I think it's a multi-component aspect um, in my view. Um, I think um, we're right. Uh, there were many different um, clinical trials, but each clinical trial, actually, including um, our own, um, really contributed to the knowledge. I mean, we knew that earlier treatment is actually important um, because the later you treat, the more of these uh, neurons are lost. And in fact, it is extremely important that you treat before neuron loss starts. And this is exactly where the field is going, what we have actually learned from these studies, that um, you have to diagnose early. You need a, a very early diagnosis in order to treat early, because only then you uh, sort of catch the, um, the, the patient, the brain, before the loss is starting. So I think uh, while it is um, quite uh, uh, difficult right now for the industry, for the scientists, for the scientific community, but in particular for the patients, I think all of this goes into a learning telling us we need to have this early diagnosis. Um, we need to treat, potentially prevent um, via a better blood building um, with that we might be actually successful. So everything what we call, and it's not politically meant, moves to the left, meaning to prevention uh, rather than treatment. And honestly, if we can find a prevention, then that is the best possible outcome for everybody because this means we keep all the neurons, this means that we keep the people uh, living their lives are not being dependent on other people. So it would be the best possible outcome. Uh, how is the condition diagnosed today, and, and how big a problem is that physicians are getting to patients too late in the progression of the, the disease? Yeah, I mean, still, obviously, this is uh, diagnosed by a neurologist, by a psychiatrist, and um, usually they see the patients when the family or the patient himself or herself recognizes that something is not really um, in order, which means there are already mild cognitive impairments or even bigger cognitive uh, impairments. So it's actually at a stage of a disease where an, a rather high irreversible loss of neurons has occurred, meaning you cannot reverse the disease. And this is really part of the problem. And this is, for me, if you like, if you ask me what is my biggest concern, what is my biggest objective, then it's really to find an early diagnosis to allow an early treatment of the patient, an early means, probably prevention. Well, in that regard, what is AC Immune doing to identify patients at an earlier stage in the course of the disease, so it can intervene when the best opportunity for having benefits from therapeutic interventions exist. Yeah, so, um, well, the good news is that um, with um, the neuroimaging, um, a lot of 
um, progress has been made. And um, I think we are really looking into a situation right now where with uh, new imaging, um, the um, um, risk factors so a population, a patient, which might have a high probability or a higher probability of getting the disease can be identified. Um, also, um, for some of the um, neuroimaging, for example, the tau neuroimaging, there's a very nice correlation between the um, disease progression, the tau pathology, which you identify in these images, and finally the cognitive decline. So, in other words, we're starting to be able to look in the brain, and the biggest issue, of course, is in contrast to cancer, uh, that you cannot just take a biopsy and uh, look what molecular uh, diagnostics you have. You basically need to look in, in, in the brain, and here, actually what we want to do is we want to look in the brain of uh, people who still are healthy. So, we call them preclinical before they develop clinical symptoms. Um, and obviously, this completely excludes a uh, biopsy. So what we are really trying to do, and ACMUN is really one of the leaders here, to develop imaging agents, which allow you to identify these uh, proteins, which you see early, you see them 10, 20 years before, in fact, clinical symptoms come up. And... Um, uh, some of them, as, uh, as I just mentioned, the tau imaging really correlates extremely well with the clinical progression and might eventually become a surrogate marker, meaning we can actually um, test therapies in these patients and actually see how these biomarkers react, meaning we can come to biomarker-based um, uh, clinical studies, which, of course, is much more exact than um, a, a clinical um, outcome, which which um, is based on, on an assessment of a clinical or functional performance. So one is really neuroimaging. The other one is um, um, precision medicine, meaning we, what we learned over the last two years by some of the top uh, scientists, such as uh, Virginia Lee and John Dronofsky from Penn University, is that actually Alzheimer is not a mono-target disease. Alzheimer has black, Alzheimer has tau tangle, but Alzheimer has also other proteins. Um, for example, TDP43, which you find normally in ALS, or alpha-synuclein, which you find in Parkinson. So you find all of these different proteins in um, the Alzheimer brain, and um, obviously they influence the responsiveness, the response of the patient to the treatment. And I think one important aspect in this diagnosis is that, again, we have imaging agents against these different co-pathologies, which uh, are, are sort of parallel uh, to a beta and the second culprit, which is tau, and which potentially allows to really uh, subclassify these people and actually treat them in a precision medicine way, as we have learned in HIV, in cancer, in other diseases. So my big hope is actually coming from the neuroimaging. My big hope is coming from 
other sensitive plot uh, marker and PSF markers, uh, which allow us to really 10, 20 years before the disease to identify the people at risk, and then treat the people according to their pathology. And I think if we do that, then we reach really this precision medicine approach, which has made us so successful uh, in oncology. And that's really what we are doing. Um, the last point for your question, and sorry for the long response, is of course that um, we are making, uh, we are looking into genetic populations. Um, for example, we are running a study in Colombia with um, Colombian population. They get uh, Alzheimer's very early, the 40 years, and 10 years later, they actually uh, die of a disease. So while we are, have many, many uh, symptoms and progression of a disease, which is very, very similar to um, um, a normal sporadic uh, Alzheimer patient, the, the, the uh, disease is much more defined and the onset of the disease is much more defined and actually you can, and this is what we are doing, include the, 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 the patients, actually they are not patients, the people, before they have the symptoms, which means we can test safe drugs before, in fact, these um, plaques are formed uh, or at a very early stage of the plaques, which means you can actually test the prevention of the, these plaques and you can test potentially if the if outcome can be prevented. In fact, this study in Colombia, which started in 2013, is probably the most, it's really a landmark study because we are looking at these people who get 100% sure, Alzheimer, but we are looking at them before the disease starts, and we are deciding if, in fact, a safe drug, in, our, in this case, Sinusumab, can actually prevent the onset. And if this is the case, this means Alzheimer can be prevented, and it comes back to my initial statement, the best possible outcome of all of these failures would, in fact, that we recognize the window when we can treat the better monotherapy and the window when we have to start to add combinations, for example, tau and others, and actually treat the people with a combination therapy, which is, again, not surprising, but surprising in Alzheimer's, um, has been done for many other diseases, such as cardiovascular cancer, every other disease. Why should it be different in Alzheimer's? So I'm actually very optimistic if you can really um, identify the windows for treatment in this genetic population and the other genetic population we are, we are in fact, um, uh, investigating is Down syndrome because here again in a very organized way, uh, because the people have a, a triple chromosome 21, they all get Alzheimer's of 60 years and of course it's a big concern to the parents of these children that um, they want to uh, prevent this Alzheimer's disease in Down syndrome because the children get older and get to a stage, to an age where they get this disease. So for us, um, these populations have a multiple benefit. In one way, we are helping, we are really helping this population to potentially not get the disease. 
we are learning from the treatment because we can start early and hopefully we can identify biomarkers which will allow us to um, define prevention treatment for the for the larger sporadic population. So this uh, work with this um, genetic population is extremely important for the larger population and it's extremely important to decide when do we have to treat with mono or other combinations in order to actually prevent the disease rather than treating How much of a challenge does that become from a clinical trials point of view if you're dealing with uh, a slow-progressing disease that the onset may take 20 years for? Yeah, this is this is exactly um, the point uh, why, and it's a very good question, why we are dealing right now preferentially uh, really with this genetic population because, as I mentioned to you, um, the disease progression is much faster um, in this genetic population, so everything happens much quicker, but um, what we believe right now in a, in a very similar way. So by learning from um, the uh, disease progression in this genetic population, we hope to identify actually biomarkers, risk factors, which would allow us to identify the people at risk. And there's a study by Keith Johnson um, who actually compared uh, people of a certain age, 60 plus, um, uh, years before um, they developed mild cognitive um, um, uh, memory problems. And um, what he actually could uh, show, and it's a very interesting study, that the people who had uh, tau protein, um, same age group, they actually developed eventually years after, five, six, seven years after, cognitive impairment, while the people, same age group, who did not have um, this uh, tau protein actually did not uh, develop the uh, cognitive impairment. So in other words, we are at a point where there are certain biomarks and tau is certainly playing a very important role, uh, which allow us to identify people at risk. And if this is the case, then of course our vaccine approach is the most relevant one because it will be very difficult to treat um, people 10, 20 years before they are actually diseased. But it will be very possible to actually give one shot per year in order to prevent the disease. And this is why you actually see in ACMU in our portfolio, because we have antibodies um, in order to treat the tau and, um, and um, a beta, alpha-synicine, etc. Uh, but we also have the vaccination, because the vaccination will allow you to um, really preventively treat uh, uh, basically globally the population uh, from a price perspective and also from an exposure perspective. And this is why we think the learnings will come from the antibodies, um, the treatment will come from the, of the disease population, from the antibodies, and recently now from small molecules. But preventively, the vaccine will probably play the important role as long as we can establish the safety of this drug, very importantly, and efficacy. Um, in this in this phase of the disease. So actually, 
Yes, it has been very difficult, but the learnings are extremely important to go now to the next step, which is precision medicine to identify really the pathology of the people, subclassify the, the people and treat them according to their pathology and treat them early enough when the neuronal loss has not yet happened. You have two platform technologies. I, I thought we could walk through them very quickly. The first is super antigen. What is it? How does it work? What does it do? Yeah, the super um, the super antigen technology um, is actually a technology to um, generate antibodies and a vaccine products. Now, I say it in a sort of simple way, but actually what these products do, they bind these proteins such as um, the beta plux and the tau tangles uh, in a confirmation-specific way. Now, why is this so important? Both proteins and the other ones I mentioned earlier on are, in fact, self-proteins. And what we are trying to do is to... Um, uh, overcome the uh, immune, the normal immune system, which normally does not make antibodies against self-proteins. So we're inducing the immune system to make something which it's normally not supposed to do. And not only that, we are making, in fact, antibodies which detect only the abnormal, the sick protein, but not the other one. And we, do, we are doing that by using, actually, liposomes, and on these liposomes, we are uh, on the surface, on the outside, we um, anchor um, the lipid, uh, the antigen, and we, in fact, have um, generated this technology um, that uh, these antigens really mimic the pathological sick protein in the patient. In other words, if you give them this uh, vaccination, uh, either to mice or to people, um, the, um, the antibody response is very specific uh, for the pathological sick protein. In this lab, we reach three different um, benefits. Number one, we only generate these antibodies against the pathological protein, which means it's very safe and very specific. Number two, um, we don't waste, if you like, any antibody response. And number three, because it's done in a T-cell independent way, we don't induce um, T-cell toxicity, which was, and you might remember this, the problem with the Elan vaccine, which actually led to inflammation in the brain. We do not want inflammation in the brain. We have enough of that. Um, and what we could actually show with our vaccine in, in our multiple, we are running uh, multiple clinical studies, did not show any um, uh, inflammation grown in, in the brain, in fact, the opposite. So that is really why we think we can give this vaccine to healthy people before we get the disease because we have not seen any side effects which would uh, make it um, critical for this, uh, for the healthy, for the healthy people. Now on the small molecule side, the principle is the same, but it's, I would say, almost more difficult because here, uh, it's not uh, the immune system, so nature, which makes this um, molecules binding confirmation structure specific. Here we have to basically design by really um, modeling 
these uh, molecules, so these small molecules, which can actually once more bind only the um, the sick, the misfolded protein and not the normal protein. And this again is important for efficacy, but also to um, avoid side effects. So, and this impact the small molecule platform is quite got quite some attention recently. We made a very important collaboration with Lily last year because people were really claiming that it's impossible to make um, a small molecules which can really bind so specifically the misfolded protein, and we can actually uh, we could actually show that with a factor of 500 to 1,000 fold uh, higher we can really target with misfolded protein, and of course the big advantage is that these small molecules, they get easily into the brain, um, they get easily into the cell, so actually can inhibit um, the pathological process very much at the beginning of this process, meaning in, in the cell, in, in contrast to antibodies which work outside the cell. So we are actually quite excited about this small molecule platform uh, as an addition to our antibody and vaccine work. Do those drugs need to cross the blood-brain barrier, and is that any kind of an issue? Um, they do, and um, so for antibodies, um, um, we have actually shown that, for example, for our tau and um, beta antibodies, that um, an amount high enough to have an impact, um, at least in animals, can be achieved in the brain, um, there are multiple uh, technologies right now out there which uh, help to get more of these antibodies in the brain. Um, and for the small molecules, this is really um, a nice feature. They are made for brain applications, so the majority of these compounds are made to go actually in the brain, and so we don't have to make special efforts and apply particular technologies to enhance this uptake in the brain. So here it's much easier. You had talked about the trial in Colombia. Your drug, Prenezumab, had failed in two late-stage trials with Roche. What's the plan going forward? Is that the drug you're testing in Colombia now? Yeah, I mean, Prenezumab, um, I, I mentioned to you before that um, the whole field is moving to the left. <laughs> um, meaning towards prevention, and um, if you do that, then you need to um, more and more expose either healthy people or uh, very early stage people um, with drugs, such as, in fact, um, these anti-beta antibodies, and it is extremely important when you treat healthy people that your drug is safe. And, um, to date, Penicillin uh, is the only drug, um, at least to my knowledge, which did not show um, severe side effects, which would in fact prevent from treating healthy people or people with a very early stage disease. So one of the big benefits um, of Penicillin is that it's a very safe drug and it actually binds in uh, specifically what we call oligos, which are supposedly the culprit of inducing the disease. Now, 
But my question is why, in fact, did Finismab not work in the, the pivotal trials? And why do you think it might work in the prevention in Colombia? So I think um, very importantly is we believe that in order to have a better monotherapy, so one molecule work, you have to treat very early, meaning treat disease preclinically. And in the in the Colombian study, we are actually treating these people before they get the disease. And as you know, they have the mutation, so they all will get the disease. Um, and we think it's important what our studies say and what other people's studies say to actually go that early because once the tau machinery is on, um, to just have an impact on the clinical um, benefit, on the clinical um, um, cognition memory effects, the functionality, by one therapy, uh, for that the window might be very small. Now, having tau and other therapies available, once we know exactly when tau comes on, which by way we are testing in this um, Colombian population, we are looking when tau comes on, uh, which would allow us actually to add to the monotherapy tau and actually go for uh, combination therapy. So in other words, this uh, Colombian study is actually, for me, really key to the question does a better monotherapy work if we treat the patients in this window um, before the disease starts, which we call preclinical, or in fact, do we need from the very beginning already to, need to use combination therapy, for example, with cow? And both of these questions will be answered by the Colombian trial. So we are actually very, very excited. Um, and everybody in the field is waiting for this study because it really will answer the question, is Alzheimer's preventable? And then uh, what would be the best way of doing that? And here, vaccination for me has a very important role to play. Well, if you're successful in developing a prophylactic vaccine, do you expect this to be for the general population or would this be for people with a specific risk profile for the disease? Um, for me, um, it, it, um, I would say it's almost uh, like a question of um, um, health plans and, uh, you know, there are many political questions uh, also coming into that. I personally um, believe that um, over time, and I mentioned already, uh, tau potentially being such a marker, uh, there are others um, in development which would in fact identify people at risk at a certain age. And I think if we are in a position um, to um, really identify this risk population, then I think it is almost a must and every government in the world would need to uh, think about it, how they can provide this vaccination to the people because the the concept, the concept of a subsequental cost linked to that, uh, which is uh, per patient um, around 200,000 or so today, uh, we're speaking about uh, 2 trillion costs to take care of these patients in 2030, 
I think it's so big that um, a preventive vaccination, which costs very little, uh, should be made available. So yes, I'm looking at a global population, and I do believe that over the next years we will we will have the right markers available to identify these people at risk. And Tau is certainly very high up in our on our list. At the end of the day, you're still going after targets that other companies have failed with. What gives you confidence you'll be able to succeed where so many others have failed? Well, um, I think um, we, so far the failures um, were around um, a beta. So, um, and again, the failures were around a beta tested in later stage population and prodromal um, mild Alzheimer is a clinical population where you already have a big loss of the neurons. So we are moving from what were, where all the failures were to a prevention situation, which is unique. And we believe that is already a very important uh, move and supported by the data. We actually, in contrast to now, uh, I can really say that um, many of the players have actually um, diagnostic means. As I mentioned to you, we have imaging agents uh, which allow us to look in the brain of the people for tau, for alpha-synuclein, for TDP43 to really... Um, diagnose the patients in a in a precise way, so we are only treating the people essentially for the disease. And in fact, um, we are doing um, in particular trials around tau, and we will be the first company together with our partner Roche actually having a phase two study reading out in um, um, in Q2 2020. So. While a beta were, sort of showed many failures, how it would be the first phase two study reading out in the field. So there is no failure yet in, um, in Alzheimer's. Um, and the, the other part besides the genetic population is, of course, combination therapy. I do believe that once we have this, um, this diagnostic means, diagnostic tools available that Selecting the patient and treating the patient with the right therapy is the way to go. And why should outcome be different from cancer? I mean, I'm a cancer person. I worked on um, on precision medicine in oncology. I think it's about time to apply the same principle which made oncology so successful. Andrea Pfeiffer, CEO of AC Immune. Andrea, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.